All right, guys, let's go ahead and take our seats, and uh, we'll jump into the minor prophet Habakkuk. I want to jump straight into uh, the study tonight. I want to make sure that I have enough time to cover it all, and I don't want to go too late. So um, go ahead and turn to Habakkuk, and we're going to be finishing the book tonight, actually. Um, we're, we're just kind of cruising through this one, and uh, it's kind of funny. Like sometimes the Lord, like, has you go real slow, and like you know every single verse, like He has something, and then sometimes it's just like you know huge sections at a time. And um, you know through Habakkuk, it, He's really just been moving uh, me through it, and um, you know it, it's been for me. I've been really blessed by it, and I would like to cover this this whole chapter three uh, in one sitting because. Uh, Chapter three consists of one psalm and one hymn, and uh, you, you see in chapter three, verse one, it says a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on uh, Shigiana. It's it's a Hebrew word. Uh, they don't really know what it means. So like you look through all the different uh, commentaries, you look through the Hebrew dictionaries, and it's just basically unknown meaning. They don't really know what it means. This word shows up one other place. It shows up in Psalm 7 from David, and, and that one it's entitled a meditation. So that word, this word right here is showing as a meditation. So we have this little entrance, uh, verses 1 and 2, where uh, he's kind of showing where he's coming from. He's showing his heart, uh, what's going on. Obviously, you know, we've been looking in Habakkuk, and you know, the whole context to these songs are... Habakkuk was complaining to the Lord, saying, Lord, there's all these wicked people in leadership. What do we do? Like, Lord, how long are you going to let them continue to do what they do? And then the Lord answered back like, oh, I'm going to judge them, but not the way you think. I'm going to judge the whole nation. And then Habakkuk was like taken back by that. And then he started saying, you know, Lord, Lord, like, how could you do that? How could you, you know, how, how could you bless that? And, you know, your eyes are too pure. You can't look uh, on those heathen, those, those idol worshiping people. There's no way, Lord, how could you do that? You know, how could you use somebody who is worse than us to judge us? And, you know, long story short, the Lord's like, he, he gave a dissertation on pride. And as you go through that dissertation, it was the very things that the people of Israel were doing, you know, all day long. Like, they had turned away from the Lord. When you see the different uh, kings that kind of take their place, except for Josiah, he, he kind of broke the mold on that. But most of the kings were starting to do wickedly. The princes, the elders, they were all doing wickedly. The 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 priests, they were doing wickedly. The religious leaders were doing wickedly. And so, as the Lord says all of these things, Habakkuk is just like, and we come to this. And so now, Habakkuk has prayed to the Lord. He has sought, he, you know, he was, he was interceding for his country, interceding for his people, saying, Lord, you know, why won't you raise up righteous people, righteous people to, to judge your nation? And the Lord's like, it's too late for that, son. And he, he's, he's bringing the judgment. And Habakkuk is mourning over this. And that, that's how we take it. Uh, that's how we enter into these songs. Now, today I'm going to do a little bit different. I'm not going to read the whole thing first and then, um, come back and, and break it down because yeah, the, the songs really I think it'll flow better as, as we take it piece by piece um, so like I said verses 1 and 2 it's kind of an it's an introductory uh, to what he's going on it's kind of like the theme of the song it's, it's what he's feeling and then from uh, verse 3 you're going to see how it says you see that Selah right there now those of you who are familiar with the scriptures you know like in the Psalms the Selahs are there all the time and it basically means to stop and consider now, the thing that's unusual here in Habakkuk is that he puts the Salah at the beginning of the song instead of at the end or in the middle. 
right? So he literally, he, he, he has like this opening verse and then he says, Selah. See, he wants you to stop and think about this topic that he's going to start with and then he's going to fill in the gaps and then he's going to fill it out with uh, the rest of the song. And there'll be a couple Selahs that follow within the song as well. And they're going to continue all the way up through verse 15 of chapter 3. And then verse 16, he is actually going to kind of go back and reiterate what he began at the very beginning of the song. And he's going to, again, share his heart, where he is, what's going on. And then from verse 17 to the end, he's going to all of a sudden, this is going to be the triumphal, uh, the just shall live by faith. This is him t- receiving uh, exactly what the Lord had shown him in the vision. And he is the, you know, even though he's going to be looking at the circumstances, his heart is breaking for the circumstances, he is going to rejoice and he's, he's going to sim- sing this hymn of faith. So um, join with me as uh, we start up in, in verse 1 and l- let's just start with a, a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, we are so in need of your presence. We are in so so much need, Lord, for you to work in our lives. Lord, we need to hear from you. Lord, we need your word to penetrate our hearts. Lord, we need you to break through any walls that we might have put up. Lord, any hardness that is in our hearts. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to humble ourselves, Lord, before your word. Lord, as we look at the things and the the feelings and the heart of Habakkuk, your servant, Lord, I pray that we would be able to find application in our own lives, in our own country, in our own people. Help us, Lord. We need you. We are in a desperate hour. And yet, Lord, our eyes are on you. For we know that you never fail. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever the eternal one who exists from everlasting to everlasting. We praise your name, Jesus. Amen. So he begins with a prayer. He says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath Remember mercy. See, this is his heart. This is where he is. See, we have to consider what was it that that Habakkuk was dealing with. He's just been... It's just been revealed to him that the Lord is not only going to judge the leadership, the, the wicked kings and all that, but he is literally going to judge the whole nation. That the, the, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians are going to raise up and, and they're going to come and they're going to judge all of the people. They're going to judge Israel. And so, so Habakkuk, he, he's, he's mourning and he says, oh Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. He was terrified, right? He was terrified. And he's, he's like, you know, Lord, he says, revive your work in the midst of the years. Lord, as the judgment is unfolding, Lord, please revive your work. Bring the heart of your people back to you, Lord. Start again. He says, in the midst of the years, make it known. And then he says, in wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. What is it that Habakkuk is asking? See, see, he knows the character of God, doesn't he? Right. That, that's why it's so important to be in the Word, to, to read the Bible from cover to cover, to, to, to take it all in, because in times when we don't understand, when we're facing things that terrify us, that make us afraid, that break our heart and sorrows come, we need to understand the heart of God. Because God is merciful. Even in His judgment, God is merciful. Right? We look, I always love looking at the book of Revelation 
That, that is the, the book of, it, it really, I think, showcases God's mercy more than almost any other book other than the Gospels and the actual crucifixion itself. The, the book of Revelation and literally the 70th week of Daniel showcase God's mercy more than anything. And you think, Pastor, how so? That, the last time I read Revelation, started getting through all those you know, seal judgments, the bowl judgments, the trumpet, all that kind of stuff. Man, it was just like carnage on earth. Yeah, but you know what? How did it come? It came little by little, didn't it? It came, as, it, as the Bible says, as a woman in travail. It started off with tremors, right? Braxton Hicks. And it started building, building, building. And you will see in the book of Revelation, peppered a couple times through there, it says, and they would not repent. And they would not repent. And they would not repent. What, what was the point? See, if God really wanted to just wipe them out, wouldn't he? Right? If his desire was just like, you know what, I'm sick of you people, right, gone. You know, the trumpet sounds, the church you know, goes up into heaven, we start singing our choruses, and he just goes like, hey, you know, Michael, will you just take care of this? And like, off they go. Right? If, if he wanted to, he would be just to do that, but that wasn't God's heart. See, the whole point of the seals and the trumpets and the bowls is to give a rebellious people, a rebellious creation, one last opportunity to repent and be saved, right? The book of Revelation, in the midst of God's judgment, is mercy because he didn't just wipe them out. He, and some people, I mean, think about this. Some people don't get saved till the very end. I mean, like how hard-hearted do you have to be to go through all of that? I mean, literally hell on earth before you will repent and give your heart to God. But nevertheless, it shows you how hard people's hearts can be towards the Lord. And so Habakkuk, he, he knows that God is judging. He knows that the judgment is coming. He knows that it is sure. And so what does he say? He says, Lord, in your wrath, remember mercy. Lord, in your wrath, please remember mercy. Right? We, we look to Jonah. Remember Jonah, the wayward prophet? What was the reason why Jonah was so angry? Because he knew that if the people repented, that God would forgive them. And he didn't want them to forgive him. He wanted Nineveh to be judged. He wanted them to be wiped out. But that wasn't God's heart. Right when God was coming to Sodom and Gomorrah and, and, and Abraham, he, knowing that Lot was down there, he's like, Lord, if you find 50 righteous people in the city, you know, you know, would you wipe them out with the wicked? He goes, surely the, the, the judge of the world you know, wouldn't do such. And the Lord's like, no, if I find 50 people down there, I, I won't judge. I'll, I'll save the whole city for 50 righteous. And then Abraham, you know, doing the, the typical, we kind of joke around, like, you know, as uh, good Jews do, you know, he haggled for price, right? And, and he, began, he began whittling away at it. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? And finally, he's like, oy vey, 10? Right? And, and he gets them all the way down to 10. And God said, if there's 10 in there, I'll, I'll save the whole city. Okay, what... What Abraham, see, he didn't want to go any further. He didn't want to take it any further. But what Abraham didn't understand is that God wouldn't destroy it if there was even one. And that's what we see with Lot. He went down there and righteous Lot, it doesn't say righteous Lot's wife, righteous Lot's daughters, right? We, we see what they did, right? His wife turned around, looked longingly back at Sodom, knowing it was going to be destroyed. And she was cursed. She turned in that pillar of salt, right? His daughters had the incestuous relationship with him. It wasn't righteous them. It was righteous Lot. That one righteous man who, whose heart was grieved, it was vexed day after day for the, the, what he saw in that city. And yet God wouldn't destroy the city. And, and the angel that was there for Lot literally said, we cannot 
do it until you are out of here. Why? Because God will not destroy the wicked with even one righteous person in them. So you and me right here, right now in this room, as we give our hearts to Jesus, as we, as we live for him, as we serve him, we are a restraint from, with, for the judgment of God on this nation. Right? We are a restraint. And so th- th- that's what Habakkuk is praying for. He's like, Lord, remember mercy. He says, I- I'm afraid, Lord. A- a- and wouldn't you be? If literally, if we were sitting here and in like the prayer service at six o'clock, you know, before service, if all of a sudden a prophetic word came out and like we knew it was the Holy Spirit moving and a prophetic word came out saying, guys, guess what, guys, um, we're going to dest- I'm going to destroy the United States. We're going to have, you know, the, the Russians, they are going to raise up a bit and they're going to come in here and they're going to dominate us. And, and, you know, and what they don't dominate, China is going to, they, they're going to own because they bought us already. You know, so it's like they're, they're just going to come in and do all this stuff. And, you know, that's my judgment against America. How terrified would we be? How scared would we be? And, and we as the church, re, we recognize, like, gosh, you know, we're, we're kind of in that place already. Like, we deserve, if God judged us, you know, we would deserve it. Now, a lot of people try to say, oh, you know, all the, all the hurricanes and all that kind of stuff, that's God's judgment. Well, you know, I, I haven't heard any prophet stand up and say it. I've heard a couple of wackos say that kind of stuff. But I've never actually heard, like, a real, like, I, I don't know. God hasn't given that, that uh, insight to us, so we can't say that. We can't speak on behalf of God in that. We can't say, thus says the Lord. But what I do know is that we are deserving of every misfortune that comes upon this nation because we have shed innocent blood. We have lied. We have cheated. We have pushed God out, said, no, thank you. Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. As the judgment comes, Lord, please bring our hearts, soften our hearts, bring us back. Right? That, that's what he's praying for. He says, in the midst of the years, make it known. Let the people have the epiphany. Let them all of a sudden, let their eyes be open. The eyes of their understanding awaken and go, oh my goodness, what have we done? What have we done? And he says, in the midst of the years, he says, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And then he begins this song. He says, God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. Now, why would he have you say law on that? Why would he have you pause and meditate on that little verse right there? God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. What's the deal? Right? What's so important about this that it showcases the whole song that he's about to sing for us? Right? What is it about this? Now, do, do you guys know what Teman and Mount Paran are? It, it, it's innuendo. It, it's, it's an illustration pointing to, um, uh, to the to uh, Moab and also to basically it's another way of saying Mount Sinai what is he doing see Mount Sinai is in that area you know people today kind of say oh we don't know where it is they think it's on the Sinai Peninsula but it doesn't make sense on the Sinai Peninsula it's actually you know uh, it seems a bit higher in in the land of Moab uh, that's like kind of a best guess nothing permanent there but nevertheless this is what he's saying he says guys remember Sinai He said, I want you to pause and meditate on Sinai. Think about this for a second. Judgment's coming. It's been been made known by the Lord. And he's not a fiery prophet. He's not one of those guys saying, you guys are going to burn. You guys are going to do this. You're going to do this. He's sitting there saying, Lord, please, no, 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 no. He's he's interceding for his nation. And yet now the judgment is sure. It's coming. And so he sits there and and he's he's telling the song. Because this is a song for the nation of Israel. And he says, remember Sinai. Remember Mount Sinai. Selah, pause, meditate on that. 
How do I know that? Deuteronomy 33 verses 1 and 2 says, Now this is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the children of Israel before his death. And he said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth uh, from Mount Paran. There it is. And he came with ten thousands of saints. From his right hand came the fiery law for them. He's, see, th- this is what he's quoting. This is what he's bringing to their remembrance. He says, Guys, remember the time. Remember when God showed up. Remember when he came to us and he spoke to us and he gave us his word. Remember Egypt. Remember how, how we were enslaved and, and not only by the government, but also by the idolatry. See, they had become ensnared by the worship of the Egyptians as well. If you actually look in, in archaeological sites uh, where the slaves were building the cities that, that the Bible talks about, not the pyramids, they had nothing to do with the pyramids. They had to do with, with the cities. They built cities. Okay, and, and as they're doing that, you, you see actually that the places where the Jews lived, and there's a whole bunch of little miniature, like little gods, like Egyptian gods, all through their area, buried with them, little idols. And, and some people said, "See, this proves that you know that, that the Jews weren't that that we didn't enslave the Jews, that they were part of the culture." It's like, no, no, it shows exactly what the Bible said that Egypt had infiltrated the hearts of, of the Jews. Casey says, guys, remember that time. Remember that God had saved us. He says, remember God. That's really what it is. Remember God. See, he saved his people from Egypt and he showed himself on Mount Sinai. See, Habakkuk is remembering the day when God and his people walked together like Adam and Eve walked in the garden. Right, think about that. Adam and Eve, before there was sin, they walked without fear, without shame before the Lord and God walked with them in the cool of the night through the garden. And in this very special time that is like the hallmark of of the the Jewish nation of Israel, God walked with them hand in hand by a a, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. He was in their presence. He was feeding them. He was giving them drink. He was that spiritual rock that followed them. Right? He was that rock that Moses struck, unfortunately, twice. And the water gushed forth. He was the one who sent the quail to, to curb their appetite and then the second time as a judgment. Right? He was the one who came to them and gave them the manna, the, 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 the bread from heaven, which Jesus says, ah, that's not really the bread from heaven, but I am. But the Lord fed them every single day for 40 years, though they tested him again and again and again. I think it's like 14 or 15 times. Right where they tested him. Yeah, he's saying, but he said, God was with us then. He said, remember how God delivered us out of Egypt with a strong arm. And, and this, is what, this is what he's saying. He's like, remember that time, guys. Remember Sinai. And, and much in the same way, we on this day, well, it'll actually be tomorrow. What do we do? We light up a bunch of fireworks. A bunch of people get drunk, drive crazy. But for those patriots among us, we remember Right? We remember the independence of our nation. We remember the, the, the birth of our nation. And we think, like, gosh, remember those days. Remember those days when, when, when there was so much hope, when there was so much anticipation for what God was going to do in this country. Right? We, we, we didn't have much. But what we did have was people considered it the, the providence of God, the blessings of God. And you know what? There were a lot of non-believers in that day. But you know what? There was a lot more believers. Right, People believed in God, they trusted in God, and, and they founded a nation that was built on the idea that, that people who believed in God must run this country. And we went forward. And we, we, we look back to those days and we think, it's like, oh wow, 
you know, think about that. The independence of the America. It's like, yo, what is America? It's this, it's this crazy thing that is so amazing. I mean, has there ever been a nation like the United States where righteousness, where people had like freedom? I mean, how many people want to come to the United States even today? As bad as things are today, how many people want to come here? Just about everybody. Why? Because it's a great nation. Right. And the greatness we have now is it's kind of the afterglow. See, the glory was here and the glory is fading, fading, fading. As we turn our backs from the living God, then the glory fades, fades, fades. And yet even the faded glory of the United States is better than nine tenths of the nations in the world, if not all of them. This is something so special. This is a place where God's people, um, not just christians but it also became a a, a safe haven for the jews who were dispersed as a punishment from their nation because they did not know the day of their visitation and yet god did something special here where they would have favor where they would have protection right this is a very special place and we remember it and so what is habakkuk doing when he says remember paran he says when he says remember it remember mount sinai this is what he's doing he's strengthening himself in the lord Right? He's, he's encouraging himself because he's afraid. He, he's sorrowing, and yet what is he doing? He's remembering when God did great things. He's remembering what God did. In, in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, uh, David did the very same thing. It says, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. That was back uh, in Ziklag. Remember when uh, David was on the run from Saul? They, they, uh, they kind of holed up in, in Ziklag. And then he went, his, he took, he, he and his mighty men went and he was going to fight in a battle and the, and the prince was like, no, 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 go back. And when he got back, he realized that, the, that Ziklag, all of his women, all of his children had been taken captive. Okay, so all of his people were angry at him and they wanted to take their anger out on David. And so they were going to stone him to death. And it says that David strengthened himself in the Lord. Right, instead of giving in, instead of giving up, instead of just like, woe is me, woe is me. It says, no, 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 he strengthened himself in the Lord. And see, Habakkuk, he, you know, this poor prophet, you know, as, he, as he gets this revelation, as he's sitting there thinking like, oh my goodness, our, our nation's going to be judged by Babylon, by the Chaldeans, by this pagan group. And like, what could he do? He, he could sit there and hole up and get depressed and take antidepressants, start drinking and all that kind of stuff. But that's not what he does. He doesn't give up. He doesn't give in. What does he do? He says, remember. He says, remember when God and the children of Israel walked hand in hand. Remember in those days when God did something great. He's strengthening himself in the Lord. See, and when we look at our nation right now, how many of you feel afraid? How many of you, when you look around, now obviously I know that we have strength and confidence in the Lord and hope in the Lord, and we're just like, hey, you know what? We got a one-way ticket up, right? We're going to get out of this mess before it gets too bad. But nevertheless, you know, I fear for our nation. If the Lord should tarry, I fear that, you know what, with the laws that are being passed right now, that my children are going to be persecuted in this country like the people are in China. Right? It's happening. It's coming. And, and it's not just like in England where it's like, oh, you know, people just are like, oh, whatever, you're, you're a loon if you believe in Jesus. No, no. What's happening in our government is, is coming at us very aggressively. And it's like, you know, they're putting people in jail for preaching the gospel, right? They're putting people in jail for standing for righteousness already today, okay? So what do you do when you fear? 
when you, when you say, Lord, I'm praying for our nation, Lord, I'm praying for our nation, Lord, but where's the answer? When's the answer? Well, number one, we've got to be like Habakkuk and get up on the rampart, and I'm going to hold my ground, and I'm going to keep serving the Lord until he answers me. And when he answers me, then you know what? If I am rebuked, then I'm rebuked, and amen to that. Rebukes are good things. But what we need to do is what Habakkuk is doing now. We need to remember we need to remember. Guys, don't ever get amnesia on the works of the Lord, on what He has done. See, there's, there's some things that, that leave us very quickly. And so the first thing that we need to remember is God's character. Uh, we need to remember His character. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16, this is what He said of Adam and Eve, the first man. He said, Of every tree in the garden you may freely eat. God is generous, isn't he? Yeah, there was one tree that he said, don't eat of that, but you know what? He said, everything else is yours. You have everything except for this one little thing. Right? So when we see these hard times, when we see these scary things, when we see what seems to be God's judgment on us, and we're just like, oh my goodness, what do I do? What do I do? It's like, you know what, guys? Remember his character. Remember that he desires to give you the kingdom, that he desires to to bless you. He is a blessing God. He doesn't, he doesn't rejoice in the death of the wicked. He doesn't rejoice in judgment. It's something that his righteousness demands, but he hates it. Okay? Not only that, but remember his plan. In Genesis chapter 2, you can flip there if you like, or if you want to just, I'll, I'll say it. I'll read it to you if you like. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. Th- th- this is, was his plan for Adam. He says, Then the rib which the Lord uh, had taken from Adam, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Was God's plan for Adam to withhold anything from him? Was his plan to like bring some, like, oh, I just want to beat the, I, I want to like a little something that I can like beat up on because you know, I get angry every once in a while. I just want somebody to beat up. Was that God's plan? No. He knew that Adam was alone. Adam didn't even know he was alone. So then he made Adam aware of his loneliness. And then he said, okay, now I want to give you something. Can you imagine, like when you guys give something to your kids, isn't it exciting? Right? When you give something to your niece, to your nephew, when you give something to a friend, and, and you're just like, when you give like a, a little kid a present, it's exciting, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> can you imagine what God was doing when he's like presenting Eve? All right, dun, dun, dun. Ah! Happy birthday, son! Right? I mean, how excited would God be? Right? But that was the plan. The plan was not to withhold from Adam. The plan was to give him the very best. And Adam was so impressed, he said, whoa, man! Right? Right? He was excited about it. What God's plan was good. Right? And, and when we are in trouble sometimes, we need to understand, we need to remember God's character. We need to understand God's plan. What is the plan of salvation? It's good. That's why it's called the gospel, the good news. Not only that, we need to remember God's grace. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, it said, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin, and he clothed them. These are the people who just rebelled against him. Right? These are the people, by their sin, every single child that is going to be born after them is going to have a sin nature, separated from God. Cain is going to kill Abel. Murder and, and, and all unrighteousness is going to pollute the whole earth to the point where God has to judge the whole earth. And then you know, from you know, uh, just a few people, he's going to rebuild the earth. And guess what he has to do again? Judge it. Fire the second time. It was a flood the first time. right? And yet... Did God just say, ah, forget you, I'm going to start over. I'm going to wipe you guys out, and I'm going to make a new Adam and a new Eve. And we're just going to start over. You're going to call like Edith and whatever. Right? No. He didn't. Instead, what did he do? He looked upon their nakedness. 
And he gave them grace. And he said, here. And he had to, the first sacrifice to cover sin. Right? That's why nakedness is considered. Like, don't, don't show the nakedness of your father. Don't look upon the nakedness of your brother. You know, the, those things. Because the, the nakedness represents sin. Because it, it, when Adam and Eve, when they ate of the fruit, remember, the devil promised them wisdom. But what did he deliver? Only the knowledge of their own nakedness. That's it. He's a liar. Right? And so God covered their nakedness. He covered their shame. He covered their sin. Remember his grace. Remember his grace in your life. And for us, you know, obviously this is a picture of the cross, but we look back to the cross itself and we remember God's grace. When you sit there and say, God, how could you? How could you do this to me, God? How could you put me through this, Lord? And you have to look back to the cross and remember. We also oftentimes will forget his love and his justice. Genesis 3.15, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He, that is the Messiah, shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Right? It is the first messianic prophecy. In their sin, in the very curse itself, God remembered mercy. Just like Habakkuk was asking. Right? He was pointing to the cross that was thousands of years away, generations away, worlds away the pre-flood world, and the post-flood world. Right? We are to remember these things. We are to go back and look at the cross, that place where, as that song says, where love and justice kiss. Right? We need to look back to those things. We need to sit there because, you know what? When we get fearful, when we get afraid, when we look at the country, we see the unrighteous, like, seemingly unchecked, and they're just doing their thing, and it's just like, gosh, what, Lord, what is going on? And then we see like China buying up all of our debt. We see, you know, the government, we see all these things going on. It's like, oh my goodness, you know, Egypt's going to be, have a more powerful army than us. You know, obviously, you know, Egypt, I don't know if you know that uh, Walt was just uh, informing me that, you know, the, the military did a coup and so the government's out again. So, you know, praise the Lord because we were giving them like $1.5 billion a year to give them, you know, for military aid for the brotherhood. It's like, what kind of sense does that make while we're dismantling our military? okay. Right When we get into that place, guys, we need to remember we're not of this nation. We are not of this world. We are ambassadors from a heavenly kingdom. And we have a city which has foundations whose maker and builder is God. We cannot forget. We must not forget. Not only that, but we need to remember the faithfulness that God has shown to us personally in the past. When did God meet you? When did God reveal himself to you? When did he show grace to you? There is, you know, we've all, I know we all have stories. Every single one of us better have stories of when God has intervened in our life. If he hasn't, then it's like, you know what? We need to talk. We need to talk. But we need to remember the things that God has done in our lives. Not just the things he's done on the grand scheme, but the things he's done in my life. Right? When the sorrow comes, when the pain comes, when the fear comes, I have to remember back. It's like, no, Lord, you did this for me. Lord, you met me here. Lord, you did this. You showed yourself strong here. And then I can remember, it's like, no, 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 God is good. He's got a good plan for me. Jeremiah 29, 11 isn't just for Israel, it's for me too. And that is what Habakkuk is doing now. He's remembering Mount Sinai. He's remembering God's faithfulness. So let's read it. His glory covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. He had rays flashing from his hand. And there his power was hidden. Before him went pestilence, and fever followed at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and startled the nations. 
The everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills bowed. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of Cushan, that's Midian. And in affliction, the curtains of the land of Midian trembled. O Lord, were you displeased with the rivers? Was your anger against the rivers? Was your wrath against the sea? That you rode on your horses, your chariots of salvation? Your bow was made quite ready. O's were sworn over your arrows. Selah. Right, see, this is what he's doing. He's he's encouraging himself. He's building himself up. He's remembering the exploits of God, how God had intervened in his people's lives. He said, you divided the earth with rivers. He said, the mountains saw you and trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by. The deep uttered its voice and lifted its hands on high. The sun and the moon stood still in their habitation. At the light of your arrows they went. At the shining of your glittering spear, you marched through the land in indignation. You trampled the nations in anger. You went forth for the salvation of your people, for salvation with your anointed. You you struck the head from the house of the wicked by laying bare from foundation to neck. Selah. You thrust through with, your, with his, arrow, his own arrows the head of his villages. They came out like a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was like feasting on the poor in secret. You walked through the sea with your horses through the heap of the great waters. Do you see what he's doing? He's afraid. He's sorrowing. And so what is he doing? He's remembering what God did. He's remembering how he humbled Egypt, how he humbled Pharaoh, how he humbled Egypt's gods. And they were powerless to stand against him. He, he remembered how he even humbled the rivers itself. And he, he humbled the mighty Red Sea and parted it and, and went through hit with his horses through the heaps of waters. He, he's remembering how the, the nations that were cast out before him. Right? He's remembering what God has done. He's remembering what God has done. But then he comes to verse 16. And this is an echo of verse, of verse 2. Where it's, in verse 2 it says, O Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. In verse 16 he says, When I heard, my body trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered my bones. And I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. Right? This, he's, kind of, he's basically rehashing what God has shown him. He says, when I heard, when, when the word came to me that, that you were going to judge us, Lord, with the Chaldeans, he says that my body trembled. He said, when, when the words, when, when the Spirit of God was moving him, because that's how the prophets moved, right? Not by their own will, but they were moved by the Spirit of God. And as his lips were uttering it, he says that his lips quivered at the voice. He's hearing his own voice, and his own voice is terrifying him. I don't know if you guys, any of you, I don't know if you've ever taught Bible studies, but sometimes when you are teaching a Bible study and the words are coming out and it's like your heart is so grieved as you're teaching it. Sometimes, you know, literally as the words are coming out, you're just like, no, don't let that be. I don't want that to be right. But I know it is. And as his own words were uttering out of his mouth, it says his lips were quivering. And then as that happened, as the realization of the vision came to him, it says, rottenness entered my bones and I trembled in myself. Right? He felt weak, like faint. He's falling over. He has no strength. 
And then he says, and I believe this last portion, it says, when he comes up to the people, he will invade them with his troops. He's speaking of Babylon. This is the judgment that God had shown him, that Babylon was going to come with troops and wipe out Israel. Right? That's what his heart is. Do you see how he's grieving? Do you see how this prophet is mourning when he looks around? He, you know, he, he was praying for, you know, Lord, you know, rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. And God says, no, I've got to tear it down. I've got to build a new foundation. And God is going to build a new foundation, a new temple too. Right? But that's not what Habakkuk thought. That's not what he wanted. But when, when the realization, when the truth came, you know, he was afraid. But, but here's the thing. God did answer the question, right? Here's the question. What do you do? What do you do when all the world seems to be coming against you? What do you do when you don't understand God? What do you do when judgment is looming? What do you do in that place? And God said, behold the proud. His soul is not upright within him, but the just shall live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Well, read, read this hymn with me because this is exactly what it is. He literally says, though the fig tree may not blossom. Right? Fig tree being a symbol of what? Israel. Though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Right? That's what's coming, right? That's the vision of the Lord. That's what he knows is coming. And yet, um, what is it that he's going to do? Does, does he grieve? Does he start drinking? Remember, Noah did that. The judgment came, and what did Noah do? He got drunk. I don't blame him. I'm, I, I, I don't drink. I don't even like alcohol, but I might get drunk if, the, if I got to witness the whole world be destroyed. I might. You know, but is that what he does? No, this is what he does. This is, this is the answer of faith. This is faith's answer to hardship, to trial, to sorrow. Yet, in verse 18, it says, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like a deer's feet. That means sure and fast and bouncy, not heavy and oh, woe is me. After service, when you see the kids running around, running, running, their feet are sure like deer, hopping from chair to chair. Well, sometimes not so sure they fall down, right? But for the most part, he says, that's what he's talking about. He's like, think about a deer you know, bouncing around, frolicking in the, you know, away from any wild cats or anything like that. But, you know, he's like, imagine that. He says, that's what he'll do. And he will make me walk on my high hill. See, high hills are the place of safety, right? You go down into the valleys. That's where the thieves, they, they, they set up ambushes where they kind of can come down upon you. But people, if you want to be safe when you're traveling through the, the wilderness, you go up onto the high hills on the ridges so you're safe. See, this is the answer of faith, right? When hard times come, when perilous times come, when sorrow comes and it fills the night and it seems like you are being completely overwhelmed and that the darkness is covering you, the just shall live by his faith, right? We, we see the proud, we understand the proud, and there's a lot of proud people in our generation, in this wicked and adulterous generation. And it is like the generation of Sodom and Gomorrah, and by the account of Noah, it seems like it is absolutely like the days of, of Noah as well. But the just shall live by his faith. Do we sorrow? Do we get angry? Do we attack and, and, and just get like just wreck our witness? Or do we live by faith? Do we rejoice? Can, can you this day rejoice in the Lord? Right? Will you joy in the God of your salvation? Right? Will God be your strength? 
Are your, deer, are your feet like the deer's feet? Are they light? Or do you have a bounce in your step like, Lord, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? See, this is faith's answer. Right? When, when we trust in God, when, when we look to Him, when we remember who He was and who, what He has done and who He is, what He has done in our own lives, His character, His grace, His mercy, His justice, His love, when we remember all of these things, when we remember His faithfulness in our own lives, then you know what? Faith builds and blossoms. And we don't just have like the little nuts, remember, on, on Sunday? But we have the fruit itself. Right? We have that agape. We have the joy of the Lord. And here's the thing about joy, guys. If you've never experienced joy, see, happiness, up and down. Circumstances, happiness, up and down. It's fleeting. It comes and it goes. Joy is steadfast. In our darkest nights, we never lost our joy. The joy stayed. Joy was here. It never wavered. The joy of the Lord is our strength. God is our strength. The just shall live by his faith. When you come to that place of fear and anxiety, faith's answer is rejoice in the Lord. Again, I say rejoice. Joy in the God of my salvation. God is my strength and he shall make my feet like deer's feet and he will set me on high hills to the chief musician with my stringed instruments. Amen. Lord, we thank you so much for this word. Lord, we thank you for these hymns, these, this meditation and, and this song of faith. Lord, when we look at our world today, Lord, it, it is unnerving. When we look at the politicians and their corruption, when we look at the judges and their corruption, when we look at the, the citizens of our nation and the moral corruption, Lord, it's enough to make us want to just throw in the the towel and just say forget it and yet lord the kingdom of heaven is unmoved by these things this we know heaven has not lost any of its radiance it is not in disrepair it is not lacking funding it is not lacking authority or power or truth for you are the same yesterday today and forever And so, Lord, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. And we say, Lord, come. Come quickly. Come. Retrieve your bride. Bring us home. But until that day, Lord, until the day that our assignment on this earth is over, Lord, use us. Grant us boldness, Lord, in this day. In our generation, grant us a fearlessness, Lord, for that is the spirit which you have given us, not of fear, but of power and a sound mind. And though, Lord, none of us are qualified, all of us are weak, all of us have no gifts or talents or anything like that, Lord, all the better. We're right up there with your apostles, ready to turn the world upside down. Lord, I just pray that you would pour out your spirit on us, Lord, that your gifts would be manifested in this place that people may know, that your people may know, that we may know that you are our God. You are with us and you have not forsaken us. And your will will be accomplished on this earth as it is in heaven. For the gates of hell will not, will not, will not come against and defeat this one simple foundation. You are the Christ, 
the Son of the living God. In that we believe, in that we trust. In Jesus' name, amen.